the Timepieces History Podcast, where each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past. Here's your host, Gudrun Lorette. Hello and welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast. This season we're looking at places around the northeast. As always, if you'd like to have a transcript of today's show, you can find it on my website, no email address required. While you're there, I'd love it if you'd leave me a comment, or you can post one on your podcast listening platform of choice. Now, today's area is somewhere that you're unlikely to find in a guidebook of the sites and sites, as it were, of the northeast, not least because there's really not much to see. However, for a county, and particularly a region, which was once thriving because of the mining industry, I think it's important to mark that part of our history. And so I chose Felling Pit to represent that old industry because it's the nearest one to where I live in Gateshead. It's also notable for being the site of one of the worst of the colliery disasters, which were sadly common. Many of the families in the local communities of Felling and Gateshead will have had ancestors who worked down there. Most of my ancestors were in the shipyards, an equally dangerous and challenging workplace. When we think about mining now, it's easy to consider it outmoded and, perhaps for those of us who are old enough, to remember the miners' strikes of the mid-80s, I don't really, for the record, and the devastating impact the mine closures have had on towns and villages around the UK. They were, though, an important part of life up until fairly recently. The Felling Pit, or Colliery, opened in 1779 and closed in 1931 and was originally owned by the Brandling family. It was also known as Brandling Main and had three main pits. According to the Durham Mining Museum website, it employed over 1,000 men and boys at its peak, 1914, with the majority of them below ground. At the time the mine was sunk, Felling was actually part of County Durham, and the pit is therefore one of the oldest in that area. It reached a depth of 127 fathoms, which is 762 feet, or 228.6 metres. There were five explosions at Felling Pit, with the first and most significant occurring in 1812, with a loss of 92 lives. These victims are listed on a memorial at St Mary's Church in Hewith, with the exception of one whose body was never found. Rather gruesomely, the site also has a list of unnamed victims who were killed through accidents such as crushing, falling out of the cage or down the shaft. It should be noted that after the Felling Pit disaster, public concern about the dangers of the work led to the invention of the Georgie safety lamp by local legend George Stevenson, and then the Davy Lamp. St Mary's Church has several interesting memorials, and one of the best known is a memorial to three small children. I first encountered it when I was about five, when my great-grandmother took me to see it, an experience no doubt familiar to many people who lived within a few miles of the churchyard. Not far from the church doors is a tomb, with an elaborate relief of three small children tucked under the covers of a four-poster bed. My great-grandmother intended it to serve as a dire warning of what might happen if I ever took a lighted candle to bed with me. Protesting that the only time I ever went anywhere near a candle was on a birthday cake was futile. And also ironic, because as it turns out, the children immortalised here didn't burn to death either. So, while the children definitely died, and you'd hope so, otherwise it'd be a pretty weird thing to erect a tomb to them, the reason for the bed was to show that they were at rest. So who doesn't love a gentle euphemism? And we know that they didn't die in a fire, because their dates of death cover six years in the early 1700s. Nevertheless, it stands as a loving tribute to a father's grief at the loss of his infant children. Still, the truth never gets in the way of a good story, with at least two supernatural claims attached to the tomb. That if you get too close, you hear the children screaming as they burn to death, which is more likely impressionable toddlers terrorised by elderly relatives into believing they'll meet the same fate, 
And the other is that if you dance around the tomb three times at midnight, the children will join in. However, things get more confusing when you look a little more closely at the inscriptions. The bed is a memorial to the three Haddon children, William, George, and an unnamed, or his name is indecipherable, sister. Joseph Haddon was apparently a stonemason, so he probably made the monument himself. On the other side, though, is a dedication to a John Makepeace and his wife Jane, who died some 100 years later. Why was this? Is John a descendant down the female line of the Haddons? Digging about, I couldn't find any explanation for this, including on the church's own website. I am hopeful that someone will have an answer for this, so if you know, please do get in touch. As an interesting aside, the elaborately patterned cover draped over the children is designed to mimic the Durham quilt, which is made from one piece of material, and the pattern is applied with stitching. These quilts differ from others because the inner wadding is made from cotton. The earliest quilt dates to around 1708 in Cumbria, so not long before the tomb was erected. Thank you for listening. Please tune in on Thursday for another episode about the north of England. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.